Howdy, and welcome to Wise About Texas, the Texas History Podcast. This is your host, Ken Wise. Thank you so much for tuning in today for a little bit of Texas history. It is summertime in Texas with an exclamation point after it. Uh, The temperatures have been off the charts. I guess the older I get, the more I complain about the heat. It's everyone's favorite sport in Texas. But uh, nevertheless, I hope you're enjoying some vacation time. I hope you're taking the time to get on a road trip, especially listeners with kids, take them around the state and uh, see some of our great historical sites. I already took a vacation to Colorado. I drove up there with a buddy of mine and stopped at the Charles Goodnight House in Goodnight, Texas. Highly recommend that. It was wonderful. You can see Paladur Canyon from there. And uh, it's a really, really neat spot. They've done a great job with it. Something else we did on that Colorado trip, you know, I've been going to Colorado for 40 plus years. Back in the day when the family would load up in the station wagon, we'd drive to Colorado. We would always stop in Amarillo and eat at the Big Texan Steak Ranch. It's an iconic Texas tourist spot, and uh, it's hard to describe. You're just going to have to Google it and figure it out. But the thing that everybody remembers is the 72-ounce steak challenge where you can sign up to eat a 72-ounce steak, a shrimp cocktail, baked potato, uh, some other things, roll, a roll. Um, I don't know. you got to eat it all in an hour, and uh, if you do, you've won the challenge and you don't have to pay for the meal. Uh, 70, let me just repeat that, 72 ounces. Um, well, my buddy and I were sitting there, and this dude got up on stage to do this, and you know, a lot of people try, but it's rare that you see anyone complete it not only did this guy complete it, he did it in six and a half minutes, the second fastest time ever, and it just happened to be the night we were there. Uh, really, one of the most remarkable things I've ever seen. The guy's name is James Webb. He's from Australia, and uh, I looked him up, and recently, uh, in June, he also uh, ate 59 and a half glazed donuts in eight minutes. So, I mean, this guy is amazing. So we, uh, my friend and I decided that we had uh, witnessed history i've certainly seen, never seen anything like it stay tuned uh, for an interesting bonus episode maybe coming up around that um one of my favorite state historic sites is san felipe de austin i've said that before and i had the privilege of participating in one of their history at night programs the other day uh, where i was interviewed by the site director brian mccauley and we talked about uh Lots of things around San Felipe and lots of topics. Had a full house, thanks to everyone listening who came out for History at Night at San Felipe. Uh, one of the things we mentioned was a murder in Kentucky and its eventual connection to the Republic of Texas. And it's an interesting enough case that I thought we'd talk about th- that today. So let's go back to 1836 and get wise about Texas. <laughs> The subject of our story today is a guy named Isaac Desha. He was born to uh, Joseph and Margaret Desha. And I got to digress right away and tell you a little bit about Joseph Desha because this is going to play into our story. Joseph Desha, Isaac's father, was born in Pennsylvania. His family moved to Kentucky. Then they moved to Tennessee. Then they moved back to Kentucky and settled finally in Mason County, Kentucky. Joseph uh, built a house there. It's said to be the first brick house in the area. He was a farmer 
and Joseph and Margaret eventually had 13 children. Joseph had fought in the early Indian Wars and was a major general in the Kentucky militia during the War of 1812. He also served in both the Senate and the House of Representatives for the state of Kentucky, and he served six terms uh, in the United States Congress as a congressman from Kentucky. Finally, in 1824, he was elected governor of Kentucky. Now, in 1824, Kentucky, this was, um, Kentucky was in bad financial shape. There had been uh, what's referred to as the Panic of 1819. Um, gold and silver were withdrawn from circulation, replaced with paper currency, and um, it caused a lot of inflation and a lot of extravagant spending, and banks all over Kentucky failed etc., etc. Interestingly, um, if it was partly that panic that drove people south and uh, played no small part in the growth not only of the south but also of the Republic of Texas, but that's a separate story. In any event, um, there was a great controversy in Kentucky as a result of that financial pan- panic. The two political parties became the Relief Party and the Anti-Relief Party, and uh, Joseph Desha was elected as part of the Relief Party. And I can't overstate how controversial the situation was and whether the act was ruled constitutional or not was a huge political issue and uh, resulted actually in uh, the creation of the purported repeal of the law that established the Kentucky Court of Appeals. And, of course, this is near and dear to my heart, being on a Court of Appeals, and uh, that law established a new court of appeals. So, and, and then the old court of appeals refused to acknowledge the legality of that. So they continued to sit. So you ended up with two courts of appeals um, and, and a bitter political struggle. And so Desha was caught up in the middle of that uh, as governor. But nevertheless, one of his 13 children was Isaac. Isaac was uh, educated and then apprenticed to a tanner. Uh, So he learned to be a tanner and set up his own tanning business called a tan yard. I don't know if it's pronounced that way or tanyard. So he was Isaac the tanner. Um, He married Cornelia Pickett in 1823. This is Isaac now. And uh, that was uh, a union of the Desha and Pickett families, uh, both prominent in the area. In the fall of 1824, uh, a traveler came through the area named Francis Baker. Uh, Francis Baker was a lawyer by education, um, but ended up becoming a newspaper editor in Natchez, Mississippi. And he was traveling through this area of Kentucky on his way to New Jersey to get married to a woman um, to whom he had been engaged for some time. And so he was uh, on his way and uh, came through this Mason County, Kentucky area. He ended up catching a fever um, in Lexington, which is south of Mason County, and um, took four or five days to recover. He stopped in the Mason County area at a hotel where he proceeded to treat what was left of his fever with whiskey got up and rode about five miles further to a tavern owned by someone named Doggett. So he ate breakfast at the tavern, and one of the people uh, there at breakfast was Isaac Desha. 
So Baker decided, uh, he announced that he wanted to visit a friend of his who lived in the area. And Desha said, oh yeah, I know that guy. And uh, I'm riding that direction. So Baker and Desha set off about eight in the morning, as far as we know. Um, Baker had saddlebags with him, as you would expect, if he's on his way to New Jersey. Desha left with him on a bay mare and carried a uh, what's described in the sources as a heavy loaded riding whip, which w- would have meant a whip with lead in the end of it. Later that morning, another resident of Mason County, a guy named Milton Ball, uh, he saw a loose horse, an iron gray mare with saddle and bridle headed up to a house. So he caught the mare and he rode back, uh, rode back the direction the mare had come to see if he could find the rider. And he encountered uh, another loose horse, a bay mare, which he immediately re- uh, recognized as Isaac Desha's horse. That mare was still saddled, but had no bridle. bridle. Importantly, Ball noticed there was blood on the horse's neck and on the horse's withers, the shoulders up on the above the front legs. He caught that horse and uh, rode about a mile further where he sees Isaac Desha on foot carrying a pair of saddlebags on his arm. And at one point, uh, Desha says, hey, I lost my wallet, or he called it his pocketbook. So they rode back and they found what Desha claimed to be his pocketbook, a red Moroccan leather pocketbook. In the meantime, several people had gathered at Desha's tan leather tanning shop, and Desha wasn't there. He shows up a little bit later, and he is now leading an iron gray mare. And Desha claims to the group assembled, that he had just gotten this mare uh, from a man that to whom he had loaned some money, and the man just gave him the horse as payment. One of the men later commented to his spouse that Desha looked strange, he looked tired, he wasn't very chatty, he, his personality seemed to be different, and he thought there was some kind of trouble. Later in February, and I'm going to jump around in time a little bit, but it doesn't really matter. In February uh, 1835, there are court records that Cornelia Desha actually married a preacher named Ricketts. Okay, so this is not that long after this incident. And uh, Desha's wife was pregnant during this whole time. And and, uh, some have written that she became so frightened by Isaac at this particular time that uh, she left him at once and refused to live with him. So something uh, obviously odd was going on. Let's go back to November when all of this transaction is is, uh, happening. Two people are out hunting in the woods uh, between two houses, one of whom belonged to Desha's father, Joseph, the governor. And in the brush, they found a pair of saddlebags. The saddlebags had been cut open at the bottom and were empty. So obviously they had been tossed into that brush. Um, Two days later, remember that bay mare didn't have a bridle on it? Two other people found Desha's bridle. Now they knew it belonged to Desha and they took it to a tavern and bought a bunch of drinks in exchange for the bridle, thinking Desha would come and redeem it and everybody would be happy. 
another pair of people, actually there were three traveling, um, were hauling corn. Now this is November the 8th. Uh, they're hauling corn and they uh, stopped near a place where uh, someone, I, I don't have who, had found a blood-stained glove by the side of the road. And when they stopped there, they happened to notice about 40 or 50 yards off the road in a hollow was a body. They didn't touch the body, but they did report it. Uh, when a group of men went out there to investigate, they found a trail where the body had been dragged off the road or what they thought was a trail, but they didn't find any blood or any anything else. The body, however, uh, was clothed only in a shirt, a vest, socks, and one glove. There were several wounds on the head, uh, head wounds. Uh, the throat had been cut, and there were a couple of wounds on the body thought to be stab wounds. As they searched for further evidence, about a quarter mile from the body were found the man's pants and his coat. They summoned the man who Francis Baker said he wanted to visit, and he came and identified that corpse as that of Francis Baker of Natchez, Mississippi. A few days later, they started searching the area again for evidence. They found Baker's, uh, the stuff he had packed. They found eight shirts, four pairs of socks, another vest, and a bunch of other stuff in a hollow tree. So obviously it had been placed there by somebody. They also found a red Moroccan leather pocketbook under some driftwood. They pieced together fragments of paper, and the name of Baker uh, was all over it. Interestingly, one of the men found uh, some lead out of a riding whip in the road near where they had found Baker's body. A few days later, still searching for evidence, they found the cap of a whip as well as a hat. Well, who are you going to suspect? Well, how about the guy who had Baker's horse? Uh, so immediately everybody been, began to sus suspect Isaac Desha, who had already be, been seen with Baker's saddlebags and that red Moroccan leather pocketbook. So a general Reed summoned Desha, um, and Reed was some kind of judge in the area because he uh, ordered an examining trial uh, to see if Desha would be held over for a murder trial. Desha cooperated. He came. He was... Uh, Kept in a house unguarded, not shackled at all. He wasn't put in any jail or anything. He was happy to stick around. But at the end of the trial, he was bound over for a regular murder trial, so they did put him in jail. Uh, he was indicted in December of that year. This is 1824 now. And uh, indicted for the murder of Francis Baker. Now, this is a little interesting thing. To change the venue of the trial, which uh, Desha's lawyer wanted to do, they had to file a bill in the legislature, uh, which was done. Now, who signs the bills through the legislature? The governor and father of the defendant, I, Joseph Desha, the governor. So the governor signs the bill, and the venue is changed to a different area. So the trial is held in January 1825, and Joseph, or Isaac Desha is convicted of the murder of Francis Baker. He is sentenced to death. Isaac claimed he was innocent 
and uh, that he had been conspired against by not only his enemies, but his father, Governor Joseph Desch's enemies. Then there was a motion for new trial, and one of the grounds uh, for the motion for new trial is that the parties had talked to the jurors. Another ground was that the uh, jurors had been threatened by Isaac's friends not to return a guilty verdict, even though they did, and um, that they polled the jury, and one juror expressed that he did, in fact, have reasonable doubt as to the guilt, but voted to convict Anyway, so the judge in February of 1835, or excuse me, I keep saying the wrong day, 1825, uh, granted a new trial, and uh, they held it a year later. It was basically the same evidence, and the jury returned the same verdict of guilty of murder. So Isaac Desha's execution date was set for July 14th, 1826. Shortly before his execution date arrived, Desha tried to commit suicide. He cut his own throat with a razor. It did, in fact, sever his windpipe, and he was not expected to live. Well, remember, his father, Joseph, is still the governor, and governors have the power to pardon. His father had refused to pardon him before, uh, but since his son was about to die, Governor Desha decided that uh, he would issue a pardon for his son's murder conviction, which he did, which, of course, stirred up his political opponents to no end. Um, In fact, if you read about this case, you will see some people actually wrote that Governor Desha was forced to resign, but he did not resign. He He never did resign. Well, Desha didn't die. He healed up, although for the rest of his life, he had to breathe through a metal tube that he would stick in his throat. Desha decided now would be a good time to get out of town. So he changed his name. He went from Isaac Desha to John Parker, and he traveled down to New Orleans. While he was in New Orleans, he met a gentleman named Thomas Early. Early was from Ohio. He was on his way to Texas. Uh, He is said to have been carrying a considerable amount of money and was going to go into the horse and mule business. So he and the newly named Parker uh, sailed to Galveston in April 1828, and they continued to the capital of Austin's colony, San Felipe de Austin. Uh, They continued on at some point, uh, presumably for the horse and mule activity, to San Antonio, However, when John Parker slash Isaac Desha arrived in San Antonio, Thomas Early was not with him. Parker goes into an establishment and gambles away a considerable amount of money and decides to return to San Felipe. So he pairs up with three other people that are going to San Felipe. And remember, of course, at this time, it would have been safer and wiser to travel in groups. So the four of them strike out for San Felipe. Once back in San Felipe, people started to suspect Desha may have actually murdered Thomas Early. And a short while after that, there was another party coming back from San Antonio that had found some of Early's clothing. As people began searching, they found a skull which they assumed, of course, to be Early's. A short while later, more searchers found bones, again, presuming them to be Early's. 
The alcalde at San Felipe at the time was a man named Thomas Marshall Duke. He was from Washington, Kentucky. And he decided that this was not John Parker. It was, in fact, Isaac Desha. And here's a quote from uh, a letter that Duke wrote uh, about how he could have identified Desha. He could tell, quote, from his family resemblance and his breathing through a silver tube. Close quote. Now, I don't know how many people back then were breathing through silver tubes, but it seems to me that Desha would have stood out long before now. Anyway, Duke was uh, reasonably satisfied with his identification and had Parker arrested. Another former Kentuckian, Kentuckian identified Desha, and finally Desha admitted that it was, in fact, that he was Isaac Desha and not John Parker. Now, San Felipe didn't have a jail, so Noah Smithwick, the great memoirist, was called in. He was the blacksmith. And uh, he was called in to put Desha in irons and chain him to a porch of one of the buildings. Now, this is interesting. Smithwick Smithwick had purchased a horse uh, from a black mare in Gonzales, Texas. And when he rode that horse into San Felipe, uh, people began to suspect Smithwick was up to no good because that black horse was the same horse that Thomas Early had ridden out of. San Felipe. So Smithwick was uh, what's described in some articles as, quote, annoyed by this suspicion, close quote. Uh, So he made sure Desha's irons were escape proof. Austin, Stephen Austin, of course, took note of this case and wrote a letter to his sister in which he pointed out that uh, they had Isaac Desha in irons and said something like there is no doubt that he's guilty. Something I don't have the letter in front of me, but something like that. So it was not looking good for old Isaac. Um, but he never saw the courthouse. On August the 13th, uh, which was the day before his trial was supposed to start, Isaac Desha died of a fever. Later, uh, Duke, the alcalde, claimed that... Uh, Desha had, in fact, confessed to him that he had murdered both Francis Baker and Thomas Early. But, of course, no written confession exists. However, when uh, you're affiliated with several uh, horses belonging to men who disappeared under suspicious circumstances, at least in the early 19th century, you were in some kind of trouble. Isaac B. Desha rests in the cemetery in San Felipe, the capital of Austin's colony, and thus ended another tale of murder in early Texas. Now we come to the part of the episode called Getting There, where I tell you where to see some of the places I described. Of course, San Felipe de Austin is on I-10 between Katy and Sealy, Texas. There's a prominent exit with a sign, San Felipe de Austin. Go north to the Brazos River, and you will be in the capital of Austin's colony. The Campo Santo, the cemetery, is still there. Unfortunately, the exact location of Isaac Desha's grave, uh, at least to me, is unknown. I haven't been able to find it, uh, but that cemetery goes back to the 1820s, so that's not entirely unusual. In Mason County, Kentucky, if you're up that way, is on the Ohio River on the border with Ohio, uh, southeast of Cincinnati, uh, where you can go see where some of these events occurred. Well, that wraps it up for another episode of Wise About Texas. Thanks for listening today. Go find us on Twitter and Instagram at Wise About Texas. If you want to support the preservation and promotion of Texas history, you can go to patreon.com slash wiseabouttexas. 
go out and do something for Texas today. And until next time, God bless Texas, and we'll see you down the road. Thank you.